2: Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the middle that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up.
0: Emily, what's your gut feeling?
2: Well, my gut feeling is that things could be better. Hmm. Shall we talk about the gut
0: microbiome? Go on, let's. I know it's not sexy repartee, but it's a conversation worth having because it affects, well, it affects everything. Bear with me just briefly. Your gut microbiome is a vast ecosystem with bacteria as diverse as the Amazon rainforest. They break down food and help your body to detoxify. They support the immune system. They can affect energy and weight as well as mental health.
2: But along with all the good bacteria lurk yeasts, fungi and viruses. Now we're not born with them, but research has shown that the composition of the gut microbiome can change with dietary intervention, stress levels and quality of sleep. Scientists are increasingly treating the gut as its own organ, which is why we are delighted that this podcast is brought to you by Simprove.
0: Now, long before Simprove approached us to sponsor this podcast, I'd started swigging it every morning and I felt a difference within weeks. It's a water-based supplement that carries live and active bacteria that can endure the incredible journey from mouth to gut in order to start to multiply and produce food for the bugs we already have. Don't even get me started on the gut-brain connection. Now, everybody
2: who knows about this stuff knows that Simprove is the best of its kind. And you can sign up for a 12-week introductory programme. And we've got a code for a 15% discount. midult 15 at simprove.com. That's
0: S-Y-M-P-R-O-V-E dot com. It's remarkable stuff. Hello, everybody. I'm Annabelle. And I'm absolutely fine. But I think that my bin men hate me. <laughs> and I'm feeling worried about it. And it's one of the things that's keeping me awake at four in the morning, because every Monday when they very kindly and brilliantly, and I'm very alert to the privilege of having my bins emptied, come and empty my bins. They don't empty my bins. They leave a couple of squelchy bags in the bottom of the bins. And so, of course, because of the way that I relate to the world, I'm absolutely convinced that the problem is me. I try to package my recycling up properly. I try to tighten my bin bags and not put too much out and not let them overflow and to be a responsible citizen. I'm convinced the problem is me, and yet I'm unable to say, excuse me why aren't you taking those final bags? Because I feel that that'll be me being somehow passive-aggressive. And, 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 and so I creep out. You know, there's that funny period between when they put the bags on the street and they collect the bags. I watch, I creep, I get the bottom bags out, and I throw them on top of the pile. And I think, should I give them a bigger tip this Christmas? I always say thank you when I see them. Um, and I'm unable to just say, hi, guys. Am I doing something wrong? How could I make this okay? So that's yet another thing keep me awake at night. My silent Solo battle with my binary Emily, how are you?
2: <laughs> I'm absolutely fine. But I am convinced that I am doing the opposite of manifesting. So I know we're all supposed to manifest, yeah, send positive vibes into the world, imagine how what we want to, you know, from the universe and, and it and it will happen. But what I seem to have plugged into is a kind of negativity whereby it sort of calls into action everything that I don't want to happen. So I go, ooh. Gosh, it's cold out there. I hope the heating doesn't break. Ba-da! Heating breaks. Or, oh, oh, gosh, I'm in a rush. I hope there isn't any traffic. Uh, traffic! So you're oh.
0: manifestering. I
2: basically am manifesting. How has this happened? I, I feel like I... You are
0: not a conductor for abundance <laughs> in the universe. You're a conductor for fuckery in the universe.
2: I'm, I'm literally the, the fuckery conductor. <laughs> and, you know, you feel like one of those, like, crazy, like cursed greek women who just I, i'm like please don't think please don't think because like sort of the opposite of the midas touch do you know what i mean it's like
0: yes yeah, so and we're all <laughs> in therapy we're all told you know thoughts are not things <laughs> oh my god what if thoughts are things no don't yes exactly. brilliant thing to say to an anxious person this
2: yes, is like the worst thing to say to an anxious person is that you will actually make this happen anyway all is not lost all is not lost everybody because this week guest is the incomparable Nadine Bagat. Now, Nadine has been a titan among beauty editors for many years, but in 2016 she launched a YouTube channel with the specific intention of talking to grown-up women about beauty, beauty with no bullshit, no face tune, and no filters. 5 years in, she's got hundreds of thousands of devoted followers who have entrusted her with all of their beauty decisions because basically What Nadine doesn't know about skin and makeup isn't worth knowing. So if anyone can rescue our faces, and oh my God, do they need rescuing? It's her. So Nadine, help. Oh yeah. And also, sorry, how are you?
1: (laughs) I'm absolutely fine. But I have a confession to make. I'm a bit concerned about my crepey inner upper arms. And this is something I'm not sure even the beauty industry can tackle. (laughs) I'm a menopausal woman and nobody tells you that eventually we're all going to get old lady arms.
0: Nobody tells you that. (laughs) It's the crepey uh, inner upper, isn't it? Yes. Crepey inner upper thighs, inner upper like thighs. Neck. I mean, it, cre- it, it creeps up on you.
1: It is. And I think when you're younger, you're used to sort of being slightly, you concern concerned about terrible things. Like, you sort of, you're like, oh, I'm so worried about that little bit of stretch mark and cellulite. But you don't realise quite how plumptiously gorgeous you are. <laughs> and tell, I'm telling you people listening to this now, there's nothing worse than crepey inner upper. Wherever it occurs, <sighs> it's a crepey inner upper. The,
0: prop- the, crepe. the creep of the crepe. The
1: creep of the crepe. And I promise you 100%, that if I find the solution to the creep of the crepe, I will share it with every one of you. I beg. <laughs> Manufacture
0: it. I remember being about 35 almost on my 35th birthday, waking up, looking around, seeing everybody who was sort of under 25 and thinking, why can't you see that you're all beautiful? <laughs> like little peaches. My, one of my overwhelming memories of um, being at
1: university in the first year and like most people at university and, and the younger generation do everything far sooner than I ever did. And I remember one of the first times I ever slept with a young man walking out of the room backwards because I was so embarrassed about my cellulite to my stretch mark and quite frankly that man wasn't worthy of kissing that backside what was I doing I, I was think Nora Ephron I think
0: Nora Ephron said wear a bikini every day until you're 34 yes 100% just just never take it off can I tell
2: you that I, I now actively when I look at myself in the mirror I just think remember in five years you will be grateful to look like what you look like now so I just that is a, honestly Emily that is the true manifesto
1: of The closest you can get to not body confidence or age confidence, but age acceptance is you will never be as young as you are again in this very moment. And remember, in five years' time, you'll wish you were that young again. So just
2: embrace it. That's actively what I do. Okay, well, I mean, but at the moment with my manifesting skills, I'm wondering (laughs) that that's going to be, that's just not a good idea. You'll suddenly wake up and you'll
1: be 90.
0: (laughs) I mean, I feel 90. Does that count? But Nadine, by the time you finish with us, we're all going to look like embryos anyway. I have full confidence because Nadine knows everything. Can I just start by thinking about the sort of shopping list that we all write in our heads about beauty products that we need and the more we read and the more we absorb the more we think that we need whereas in fact I'm sure with your help we could pare the shopping list down to some you know ingredients that tackle the problems that we have and, to, and quite a simple routine. I mean let's start I think we can probably all agree that what we need in order to be a receptive canvas for everything for our skin to look as good as possible, is for it to be properly clean. Now, the cleansers, there are so many.
1: Oh, and when we were all growing up, it was cleansed and moisturise, Three products, yes. morning and night, same products, didn't have to worry about it. I've been a beauty editor now for nearly 33 years, and I do think there's just far too many products and far too many brands, and you go on counter, and if I can find it confusing, heaven knows what the average person thinks. Genuinely, a cleanser is one of those things you can save your money on. It's, it's, it, it should be respectful of your barrier function. It shouldn't strip your skin. Your skin shouldn't feel red, tight or dry afterwards. But what you really need is you need a really nice, gentle rinse-off gel cleanser in the morning, in the shower, that the whole family can use, that respects your skin. And then at night, you just need a lovely rinse-off cream. And the only reason you need a cream at night is because it will emulsify your makeup. And it will take off the pollution and the SPF and all those things that you'll wear during the day. But actually... The cleanser is the one step I always say, save your money. Save your money, save your money.
0: So for your your morning gel cleanser, what sort of brands, what products would you turn to for that?
1: I love CeraVe Hydrating Gel Cleanser. That's the green one. I love Curel Melting Makeup Cleanser in the morning. It's a sort of gel oil that just turns to milk. You want something that, that refreshes your skin, but genuinely doesn't tend to foam. Try and avoid a bar of soap, something like that. You want something that after you've finished and you pat your skin dry, your skin shouldn't feel dry or tight. And honestly, it shouldn't cost more than ten pounds. It really shouldn't—fifteen at the very most.
0: And then for your evening cleanse, are you talking about a balm or a cream or?
1: I think I think the, the 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 sort of craze for the balm cleansers started around the same time that Estee Lauder Double Wear started. So when makeup was really formulated to cling to your skin through thick and thin, if you're not using a long wear super high coverage makeup, you probably don't need a balm. I understand you might enjoy the the pleasure, sensorial pleasures of it. But what you do need is a cream because oils emulsify oils and creams contain oils. So you need an oil-based, cream-based cleanser that rinses away to milk as you cleanse your skin. And that will literally melt away the mascara, the eyeliner, the SPF, the makeup, all that sort of stuff. And I always say at night, you need to team it with a cloth. What cloth you choose is up to you, but a cloth is literally that physical action of breaking down the particles of makeup. So it could be a muslin cloth, it could be a flannel. I personally like microfibres, providing that they're all washed in a, in a guppy bag afterwards. That's a little bag you you put your microfibres in so that it doesn't release particles into the um, into the water.
0: And what cream cleansers would you recommend for nighttime?
1: Again, save your money. I love uh, Superdrug Vitamin E. I love Boots, Yoghurt, Skin Nourishing Hot Cloth Cleanser. Curel have a cream cleanser. Most brands have really nice cream cleansers. You massage them into your skin and then you put a little bit of water in, they loosen everything up and then you rinse things clear away with a as, with a cloth. The cloth is simply there to break down the particles of makeup.
0: I mean, I bought... 10 white flannels on Amazon about 10 years ago for about three quid. And they're now pretty grey and threadbare, but they get washed, you know, every day or whatever, and they have lasted brilliantly. So I just keep those in rotation.
1: And I do remember when we were growing up and we were horrified by our parents' flannels that were on the side. But actually, if you think about your parents' skin... They didn't have exfoliating acids, they just use flannels because flannels will gently exfoliate your skin. They will. There's a mm. reason that a flannel has been around a really long time. I mean, I think microfiber cloths are are more effective, more efficient and more soft on your skin. But again, you just need to look after them properly.
2: Can I ask a, a disgusting question? You can. What is the longest you can leave a flannel without washing it? If you're cleansing once.
1: Personally, every night. I wouldn't leave I would use a fresh flannel every day.
0: Okay. Fine. Personally, so would I. What about you personally, Emily? And now
2: over to you to
0: confess, Emily.
2: <laughs> No, no, no. I confess all my hideous shit all the time. And no, I, 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 I would say I would probably do three days. Okay.
1: I mean, you're also... But I'm looking at you now because we're doing this on Zoom and you, you genuinely do not wear a lot of makeup. So you're not actually taking off a lot. I mean, my... If I could show you, and I wish I had one here now, what my cloth looks like after I've taken off my MAC tightliner or my stripper lash mascara, there's no way. I've run out of clean square footage to take my makeup off. Uh, Once, I will always have a dirty cloth in the washing machine and a new one drying on the rad, waiting to go up the next time. So but I, I mean, you're a, right. A new one every the day.
0: Sheer, the sheer state of them by the yes. time I finish, with yes. the mushroom clouds, everyone, yes. no white. They're, they're almost orange and black. Yes. I'm mean, it's. i it's,
2: it's, it's, the same. Orange, black, maybe a smear of red from a lip. That's it. <laughs> I like the ideas of you guys just pressing the hot cloth off and then just your whole face is yes. just being... It's like, like a chewing crowd of makeup, Emily. That's what it is.
0: So we've got clean skin and we haven't bankrupted ourselves getting clean skin. So that's the good news. The bad news is what the hell happens next? Because, you know, what even is a serum? Nadine, I really think that we get very confused about it. Is it a one size fits all? What's the point of a serum? Again, going back to when we all
1: grew up, it was cleansed, toned, moisturized. Thank you very much, Clinique. But then what happened was Estee Lauder launched an Advanced Night Repair Serum. And it was the first serum that was available over the counter. And suddenly we had this extra step and we didn't know what to do with it. A serum is technically mostly an oil-free water-based formula that tends to contain the most levels of active. So it's it's where you're looking to put your vitamin C, your retinol, things like that. And it goes on to freshly cleansed skin. So in the morning, you use a vitamin C-based serum because it protects you from pollution and sunlight and it's an antioxidant. Think of it in the same way that you'd, um, you'd press... When you cut open an avocado and you sort of put lime juice over the top, it stops the avocado from growing brown. That's what a vitamin C serum literally does for your skin. It stops your skin from oxidizing. And then at night on freshly cleansed skin, you use vitamin A, which is retinol. And they tend to be in a serum because they're the most efficacious, packs the most punch form of skincare. And then the moisturizer goes on top. So moisturizer simply does that. It simply adds moisture. You get most of your active ingredients from a serum. So they are worth investing in.
0: You explain what vitamin C does. Can I shout at you a little? You can. can I shout some ingredients at you yes. and ask you to translate? Yes, so absolutely. so retinol, which you've just mentioned, what's retinol there for?
1: Vitamin A is your skin's cheerleader. It's sort of like a coach standing on the sidelines going, work harder, skin turnover. <laughs> and basically, vitamin A is metabolised in the skin. And it's sort of the thing that oversees every single process that your skin does so it oversees the production of sebum it oversees the production of melanin pigment it oversees the production of collagen and elastin which means that it's actually important for most skin types if your skin is out of kilter Retinol is the thing that will bring it back to a sense of healthy stasis. It's that. It's the mum at the football game saying, no, score harder, run faster, whatever it is. It's that person. It's your skin's cheerleader. And it is absolutely the gold standard active ingredient within skin. And your skin normally takes your vitamin A from your diet. But what's wrong with putting a little bit of vitamin A topically as well? That's what you're doing. You're basically backing up what your skin takes from food, with a topical vitamin C and a vitamin A.
0: They're super important ingredients for you, are they? Vitamin Vitamin C C is key
1: in the morning, it protects your skin. Vitamin A is key at night because it essentially kicks your skin into action. Especially as you get older, you'll notice your skin starts to become more sluggish. It gives it a good kick up the metaphorical backside. That's what it does.
0: So I'm now going to ask you about some acids, because I think just because they're called acids, people get very bewildered about the idea of acids. So I'm going to start with the one I can't pronounce, but I really like, hyaluronic Okay, so
1: now if you're frightened of acids, remember that your skin in its natural state is acid. A healthy skin sits at around, on a pH scale, roughly 5, 5.5. And if you think of 7 as being neutral, 14 as being sort of highly alkalinic, so sort of a bar of soap or something like that. And then one would be hydrochloric acid, something you could melt sort of metal in dead bodies. I don't know where that came from. Anyway, your skin's sitting at (laughs) roughly 5.5 or 5. So your skin is naturally acidic. So your skin likes acids. Don't be frightened of them. Hyaluronic acid is actually an acidic form of sugar that binds water into your skin. It's found in huge amounts in very young, very plump skin. Babies are born with loads of it. As you get older, you have less of it. Dryer skins have less of it. It literally locks water into your skin. It's not a resurfacing acid. And I know you're going to go on to the resurfacing acids. I can see you. Your <laughs> head is nodding, Annabelle. I can say, go for it.
0: Before we go to the resurfacing acids, I just wonder if I might ask you what a really good retinoid or um, vitamin C product might be if people are going shopping.
1: So if, if you want a vitamin C, I think you're probably looking for roughly 10%. It can go up to 20% to use every single day. Choose the best form of any skin product you're going to buy it would be one you can afford, Please never, never, never put a skin product on a credit card that you cannot pay off at the end of the month. It's simply not worth it, I promise you. Superdrug have an amazing vitamin C, 10% vitamin C skin booster that's, I think, under £10. It's really reasonably priced. A gold standard would be CE Frulet from SkinCeuticals. It was the first ever vitamin C and it was based around some Truly groundbreaking, award-winning research done by a a chemical scientist um, and it won huge awards. But there are things like Drunk Elephant, there are Timeless, most people have some form of vitamin C. You want something to be roughly 10, 15, 20 percent and it needs to be quite watery so it sits on your skin really quickly. And then you go in with your moisturizers over the top.
0: What about a retinol?
1: Retinol, most over-the-counter retinols from companies like uh, Olay, number seven, Superdrug. Uh, The inky list are sitting at roughly 0.3%, which is a really good sweet spot retinol. It's The the great percentage is that it's what I call the minimum sort of irritation maximum result. So you're beginning to get some sort of action on your skin. But a gold standard would be 1%. And at that point, you're really looking at something like Paula's Choice 1% clinical
0: retinol. Hyaluronic acid, will that usually be in your moisturiser? Yes, Now,
1: it's very interesting. Hyaluronic acid is a really hip ingredient, and people think it's it's only available in products with hyaluronic acid written in them. It's always been available in moisturizers. It's pretty much always been available in serums, and it's also available in your foundation. So there's no worry in layering it up, but I think it's quite nice to use a hyaluronic acid serum every single day simply to lock extra water into the skin as you get older and your skin becomes drier. A hyaluronic acid serum is very nice to use around the eyes under makeup because it stops your concealer clinging to those creases and those crepe, that creeping creepiness <laughs> that we all hate so much. And it does actually work really well right up and around the eyes. It does. It's a, it's a great base for eye makeup. It really is.
0: Do you have one that you recommend?
1: There are so many on the market. Again, you really don't need to spend a lot of money on hyaluronic acid. Uh, I remember when Dr. Sabag launched the first one and it was sort of, you know, so much money and nobody had really heard about that much about it. But now they're available from the Inkey List. It's available from Superdrug. It's available from um, uh, Good Ingredients, from um, Boots. it Don't spend a lot of money. Choose one that you really like. An absolutely lovely one is the CeraVe one, which is slightly milky as well so it's got something called glycerin and as well glycerin is one of those old school ingredients that your grandmother's used to use she used to use rose and glycerin water glycerin actually is a humectant as well in other words it locks water into the skin
0: salicylic acid
1: salicylic acid you're now getting into resurfacing acid salicylic acid is a gold standard for breakouts blackheads and ingrown hairs and the reason is, is because it's a beta hydroxy acid it's quite a large molecule but it's attracted to oil in your skin all the other resurfacing acids are attracted to water in the skin which means that it will deep dive into pores so if you have any breakouts if you have marceny if you have bacne anything like that then this teenager around a two percent salicylic acid is gold standard you sleep in it at night so you put it on your breakouts on your blemishes you sleep in it at night
0: And glycolic acid, also
1: resurfacing? Yes, and all the other acids are resurfacing. And glycolic is a gold standard. It's attracted to water in the skin. It's a very small molecule. It's a very powerful molecule. So if you go to a facialist and you have a peel, the chances are they're going to use glycolic And what it does is it essentially breaks the bonds between your skin cells. If you think of your skin as being like a brick wall, each individual skin cell is like the brick and then in between you have the mortar. And what it does is it breaks the bonds between your skin's bricks, your skin cells, so that the dead skin cells can shed. I personally like to sleep in an acid overnight. I know a lot of people, for example, Sally Hughes is a really good friend of mine. She has dry skin that's it's prone to being sort of slightly sort of rough on the surface she loves her acid in the morning to give her a glow I like it at night there are no right and wrong answers just be careful with glycolic it can be really powerful
2: so if I've got a glycolic toner I think that I bought in a kind of mad like and I'm too scared to use should I use that after cleansing like maybe once or twice a week or once a week just to kind of take off the dead cells or whatever
1: I honestly think that that is probably as a tonic or a lotion been formulated to use straight after cleansing. So you wipe on your face straight after cleansing and you'll feel a little bit of a tingle, but it should settle down quite quickly. Again, I would use that at night and put a lightweight hyaluronic acid or a moisturizer over the top just to buffer it into my skin. Somebody like Sally, who has dry skin or a lot of very oily teenagers, ironically, it's both ends of the spectrum. So either a drier skin or an oily skin, like it during the day because it gives them a good glow. You do get an instant glow from glycolic. Personally, I like to sleep in my acids. I, I don't see the point in putting on an acid because for me, you're encouraging your skin cells to shed at a time when actually you don't really want to shed your makeup and your skincare and your SPF during the day. But there are no right and wrong rules use it as and when your skin is comfortable and happy and you'll know when you've overdone it because my god you'll lie in bed at night or you'll be lying there and you're like oh, the tinkle isn't stopping, help, help that's when you've overdone
0: it and what really we're talking about exfoliating aren't we, yes. I mean when, when when I was a girl, as my mother said um, it, was the blue, it was the blue corn scrub from the body shop and with those particles, physical scrubs and we'd scrub and scrub and scrub and scrub probably breaking many capillaries along the way, how do we feel about physical scrubs as opposed to chemical scrubs?
1: I think that something like Dermalogica Daily Microfoliant, which is cornstarch, is amazing and super gentle and really lovely to use if you want that physical feeling of... Because of it is a
0: satisfying in. feeling, yes, isn't it is it? very
1: satisfying. But you're absolutely right. We all use the dreaded walnut scrub back in the day and, and we do, I do genuinely have broken capillaries around my nose because I thought I could scrub away my blackheads. Ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Which I'm continually having lasered because they always want to come back and it's very <laughs> annoying, so generally I'd say step away from physical scrubs unless it's on your body and it's quite nice to have a physical scrub on your body I think the acids are much more gentle much more gentle and an enzyme interestingly works in a different way so the papaya and the um, mango-based enzymes, they work differently. They actually digest the dead skin cells. So they don't break the bonds. They digest the skin cells in the same way the enzymes do in your stomach. So think of that next time you use a papaya or a, a pineapple or a, a mango-based enzyme scrub. It's actually digesting the dead skin cells off your face. Nibbling. Like yeah, like a load of Pac-Men.
2: <gasps> <gasps> like, those, like those fish, those um, pedicles yes, girl, that you can yes. have where those there's, there's fish just that eat your feet. Yeah, where they suck, they actually do suck and gen- gently
1: nibble the bald
0: skin <laughs> off your face. Face masks. I mean, apart from an acid mask overnight, if I'm going to a party and I look, you know, 150 and terrifying, I'm going to scare the children. How do you feel about what can you do to plump your face up with a mask or with a product before you have to present yourself to the world? And does anything really help?
1: You're absolutely right. And that is where a sheet mask comes into its own. Now, please, for the sake of the environment, try to make sure that your sheet mask is biodegradable. There are some amazing ones out there. But for example, Simple do an amazing biodegradable sheet mask. You don't need to spend a lot of Money. The advantage of a sheet mask is what you're doing is you're putting humectants on the skin. So you're putting glycerin and hyaluronic acid most commonly on the skin, and then you're trapping it in place. And the minute you trap it in place with that sheet mask, you're stopping something called transepidermal water loss, which is water loss from the skin. So what you're doing is you're forcing the water to go into the skin rather than leave the skin. It's a temporary effect. I remember doing live TV years ago, having one of those Vizier scanning face masks that shows creepiness, the creeping creepiness on your skin. And we showed that it reduced it by at least 50% in like 15 minutes. Obviously, you take the mask off, the transepidermal water loss happens again. We're all losing water from our skin constantly, especially when the central heating's on and it's cold outside. But they work. And the little ones under the eyes, there is a reason why if you go backstage at any show, if you go and interview any professional makeup artist, that they apply the eye makeup with those little masks underneath on a woman over a certain age, over the age of 40, peel that off, the skin is super smooth, and then they put the face mask on. There is a reason that those masks are super popular. I would say you don't need to spend a lot of money. Hyaluronic acid and glycerin are key. Try to make sure that they are recyclable so they can go into the compost.
0: Is there any part of a, of, of a skincare um, routine or, or sort of solution-based product where you think you could do with spending some money on it? Vitamin C and retinol
1: genuinely right. if you have the money you will find the formulations become more sophisticated as as they get up they do. They just do I think you save your money on your cleansers you save your money on your moisturizers you can save your money on your hyaluronic acid but a really nicely formulated vitamin c and retinol tend to cost a little bit more money and when you go into the very sophisticated retinols and you go from retinol the next metabolic pathway is retinal and you're going to a company like Medicaid, for example, you're going to spend a little bit more money. They are an investment in your skin.
0: But it's worth researching, isn't it? I've heard you say this, who owns what company in the stables and therefore how the research and the new product development might filter through. Would you explain that to us a little bit?
1: So when I first started my YouTube channel, I'd obviously been a beauty editor for a very long time, 25 years, 26 years. And the big beauty corporations don't really like you knowing that they own other brands. So, for example... The L'Oreal group, which I have to say I am a huge fan of. They own um, Giorgio Armani, Lancôme, Garnier, Maybelline, L'Oreal Paris, Kiehl's. If you think they don't share technology, you're a fool. So... When they launch, for example, a new SPF or a new form of retinol, they, the chances are they're going to give it to Lancôme first, or they're going to give it to Kiehl's first, or they're going to give it to a Giorgio Armani first. But eventually that technology trickles down, and this is true of makeup. So if you're looking to have something that is super high-end, just wait for that technology to trickle down. And it's why I am such a huge fan of L'Oreal Paris and Garnier, because... That technology trickles down. It trickles down in hair care. It trickles down in makeup. Much missed bourgeois. The reason we much miss bourgeois is because it was owned by Chanel. It is owned by Chanel. I'm not the the packaging, the componentry is different, but actually the formulations are strikingly similar. If you think of the Estee Lauder group, the Estee Lauder group of companies own Estee Lauder, Clinique, um, Origins. They own Tom Ford. They share technology and they share active ingredients and they have the power to buy them in bulk. So you will eventually, it will trickle down. They own the ordinary. I mean, that technology trickles down and you will benefit from it. So just go away and Google huge beauty corporations and wait for the technology to trickle down. And, you know, the first time I said that, I was the first person that ever said it. And the beauty companies don't like me telling you, but I've got your back.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Nadine. (laughs) So we are cleansed. We are exfoliated. We are serumed in one form or another. And so really, moisturizer always feels like the last precious final step. And it's also kind of a nice thing that you can do for yourself, isn't it? Do you think that different skin types need different kinds of moisturisers? What should we be looking for At you know, in our 40s, for example?
1: It's very interesting. I do think the moisturiser is the thing that is most personal to you. Some people love an oil. Some people love a gel. Some people love a gel cream. Some people love a cream. And I know because, you know, I we've worked in similar in- industries. Annabelle. we all remember the launch of Creme de la Mer and how it was the ultimate, And now it's Augustinus Bader. It was the ultimate super luxurious moisturiser. But actually, the truth of the matter is a moisturiser is simply there to add moisture to your skin. So what you want is you want the balance of oil and water that suits you. If your skin is super dry, you'll love an oil. Personally, I don't like oils. I feel they tend to sit on the surface of the skin and I would rather have a rich cream. As you go down in texture, so you go from an oil, you go from a rich cream, you go from a light cream, you go from a gel cream, then you go into gels and then you go into serums. One is heavy in water, one is heavy in oil. I think what you want is something that sits roughly in the middle. Again, you don't need to spend a lot of money. You really don't. You can believe the hype and you can believe the magic and you believe the mystery, but actually a moisturizer is simply there to lock everything in the vitamin A, the vitamin C, the hyaluronic acid, it's simply there to lock it all in. And a company like Curel, which is a ceramide-based skincare that comes out of um, Asia, is a bestseller for a reason. And they have the same active ingredients, but they have it in a lotion, they have it in a toner, they have it in a milk, they have it in a cream, they have it in a gel cream, they have it in a rich cream. And that, so you just choose which one suits you, and it's or personal. cerave,
0: which I'm a huge fan. CeraVe, of. Cerave,
1: you know, it's so interesting. We were talking about moisturisers. One of the key active ingredients to look for in a moisturiser is a ceramide. And think of ceramides. We were talking earlier on about how your skin is a brick wall. If you think what makes a brick wall really powerful, it's actually not the bricks; it's the mortar in between. So a really healthy brick wall, a really strong, sturdy brick wall, has really good, strong mortar, and that's what ceramides are to your skin. They are what holds your skin cells together. And as you get older or if you've got dry skin or if you've been unwell or you've impaired your barrier function with too strong acids or retinol or any of those things, you can have an impaired barrier function and then the water leaks out of your skin. And you'll know that if you get dry chapped lips, it's terrible. Ceramides are key. One of the reasons you love CeraVe is because it's based around ceramides. One of the reasons that Curel is the most popular version to come out of Asia is because it's based around ceramides. Elizabeth Arden were the first people to talk to us about ceramides. And now um, there, are, uh, there are lots of different products on the range that have ceramides in. Ceramides are key. Superdrug have an amazing new moisturiser called Me Plus Ceramides. It's great. It's a really great moisturiser. You don't need to spend a lot of money on moisturisers.
0: Um, I suppose within reason. I mean, I don't because I'm sort of lazy and bad. We should be putting on our bodies sort of an approximation of what we put in our faces if we wanted to see results, shouldn't we?
1: Again, when you and I were sort of teenagers, it was all about whatever smelled lovely. And you layered it up and you sort of, you know, put something in your bath and then you'd have a bath sort or you'd have one of those sticky sort of things from the body shop. The
2: bath pearls. The
1: bath pearls. And they'd always stuck to the bottom of your bum when you got out. (laughs) Um, And then you'd come out and you'd layer on your scented body lotion. And that was all about luxury and smelling really lovely. And I have nothing against that. It's lovely. And if you enjoy your bathing ritual, go for it. But actually, if you've got a problem body skin, for whatever reason, you could have keratosis pilaris, which is those little red chicken bumps that you get on the backs of your arms and your legs. You could have acne. You could have what I call lizard legs, which is when at this time of year you look down, you take off your opaque tights and the world falls out. It's like leg (laughs) dandruff. Nothing, nothing moisturizing and smelling lovely is really going to do that much. You've got to look for the same level of active ingredients that you look for in your face. So you're looking for a resurfacing acid. You're looking for a vitamin C if you've got age spots. You're looking for retinol if you've got the creep of the crepe. That sort of thing. Do, do demand as much from your body products as you should from your face products.
0: And so for brands like Ameliorate for the chicken skin yeah. is a good Amelio- one, it?
1: Ameliorate is an absolute gold standard. It was launched for keratosis pilaris and it's really strong lactic acid. And for example, Flexitol, dry heel balm, is really strong. It's a really strong resurfacing acid with urea, which is a natural moisturizing factor found in the skin. I tell you, these things, if you sleep in them overnight for three or four nights, your skin will be transformed. You'll get out of the shower the next day. And unlike a traditional body lotion where you just have to apply it all over again,
0: they last.
1: They are making an actual physical difference to your
0: skin. Because I give up on my body in the winter, I literally just sort of take off my swimming costume at the end of August, and then basically hardly moisturise again until July. It's, you just sort of pretend it's not there.
2: I feel like I'm having a little breakthrough in the sense that I just, we like layer on, I feel like I've got my skincare routine sorted. And I feel like I sort of, you know, I like the tackiness of my moisturiser, I'm happy with that, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. But I mean, you know, as far when you said you take off your tights, that's the reason I don't wear tights anymore in the winter you know i defy the cold because honestly i can't bear the 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 leg draught the leg draught I mean, and let's be honest here there's something
1: profoundly british about ending our skincare at our neck and we're lucky <laughs> if we go beyond the jaw let's be honest uh one of the things i have to say is don't fall for the hype and the marketing rubbish around bus creams eye, eye creams neck creams it's just rubbish the skin on your body is pretty much the same as on your face Everything you use on your face should be going down onto your neck and chest. I'm a living, breathing example of that. Having worn an SPF, probably in my makeup, but certainly in an SPF, most of my life to my sort of jaw and then down onto my neck. I've neglected my chest even though I wrote features about it and I have sun damage on my chest that I again am trying to have lasered off to within an inch of its life. Please, please, please take all your skincare down onto your neck and chest and onto the back of your hands as well. And again, look for acids, look for retinol, look for vitamin C. It's available now from anything from, for example, Nipfab, which is the sister brand of Rodial, have something called Glycolic Fix. They have a body scrub, which you would love, Annabelle, in the shower to give you that feeling of exfoliating skin. And they have a Glycolic Fix body cream that you can sleep in at night. Trust me. If you've got a shaving nick anywhere, it'll tingle. You will wake up the next day. You will have a shower. Your skin will be visibly improved. So will ameliorate. There's a range called Solution at Superdrug. They have a retinol. They have a hyaluronic acid body lotion. They are available. More should be available, but they are available. And if you have knee or chest knee or anything like that, do get a 2% salicylic acid spray and spray it on
0: your back and your chest. It,
1: it will make a big difference. It really will.
0: And they're good for ingrown hairs, aren't they, after a wax, those sprays? Absolutely.
1: So salicylic acid, because it deep dyes into pores, I mean, straight after a wax, maybe wait 24 hours. So the top, la- the top <laughs> layer of your skin will be missing because it will have come off, obviously. Uh, the dead skin cells will have come off because waxing does exfoliate you. But absolutely, if I ever get an ingrown bikini line hair or a chin hair, let's be honest, at my age... Always put two sal- percent salicylic acid. I like the gel from Paula's Choice, the two percent BHA. You dab it on, and you will notice that hair will start to come out just as your blackheads will come up because basically the acid goes in and cleans out the pore, so it forces the hair out.
0: Oh, so rather than just plucking, you can allow it to sort of release. You can release and then pluck.
1: <laughs> Let's be honest here; I still dye my grey roots. There's no way I'm showing my <laughs> or my beard in public.
0: No beard is strictly for home it, home use only. <laughs> Um, Do you think that we need a night moisturiser and a day moisturiser or do you think that you can, no?
1: No, once you've got your retinol in, unless you're using a retinol night cream, which is good for you if you like that, because then that's the combination of a retinol serum and a moisturiser in one. But no, you don't need a specific night moisturiser. The only reason you would is if you've got an SPF in your moisturiser during the day, you don't need an SPF at night. But, the, but that whole lie about needing certain active ingredients at night, the only reason you use a retinol at night is because it's actually, as an active ingredient, it's sensitive to daylight. So it tends to break down in daylight. So it's much better to use it at night.
0: And SPFs are not optional, are they, Nadine?
1: Well, I'm not as stringent about SPFs as, say, for example, if you had a dermatologist on here to be honest, at most, once the clocks go back at this time of year, so a lot of people are leaving the house in darkness and returning in darkness and not actually leaving their office during the day. So your exposure to UV light is relatively minimal in winter. So I feel like you could get your SPF from a moisturizer or your makeup or something like that. Um, but the minute that the clocks go back again and you're starting, or even if you're going out at the weekend and you're not wearing makeup, maybe to protect your skin or a moisturizer, The minute you feel that that sun is warm, yes, 100% you need an SPF. An SPF 30 will be more pleasant to use, but an SPF 50 is much more effective. And the only reason you need an SPF 50 is we don't apply enough of the stuff. If you ever watch a dermatologist apply this stuff, I mean, they literally look like Casper the ghost of To get the SPF you need, on that label,
2: you need half a teaspoon on your face. And it's a lot. It's a really? Note. Yeah, because we're all so frugal with our creams anyway, aren't we? We're like, ooh, I wonder if I could eke this out for a bit longer.
0: Well, I think that's partly because we overspend. Yeah. And what Nadine's telling us is, you know, is I, and I, I look at the, at, the, at the chaos in my bathroom. I mean, it's, it's just a vision of manipulation. There are so <laughs> many, so many, I don't know what I'm expecting for them. And really, I now feel like I could go to CeraVe Paula's Choice and, and get everything for 100 quid and be done.
1: I honestly think an entire routine, cleansers, moisturizers, vitamin C serum, retinol serum, you absolutely could get the entire thing for maybe 150 pounds, 150 Mm. pounds. And you'd be done. And you should really, it always amazes me how quickly people go through skincare. Actually, you should probably only be spending that probably once every four to six months. Really? You don't need to spend that much money. And I mean, and all of these people you see on Instagram going on about these obscure brands that cost hundreds of pounds, they've all been given it for free. I'm not spending a lot of money. I'm not buying a dream in a jar. I can't fall for it anymore because I've been in the industry 32, 33 years. I've stuck everything on my face and I know what works and I know what I know what doesn't work and I know what and there's no problem in in believing the hype if you can afford it, but I'd rather spend a little bit of magic and mystery and a little bit of extra money on a lovely fragrance or, or you know, a lovely makeup palette or something like that. Or
0: maybe save up for a little bit of Botox?
1: a <laughs> 100%. And, you know, I was thinking about the analogy of people say, well, what do you know? You know, you have a little bit of Botox or you have a little bit of Profilo or you have laser. And the truth is that skincare and injectables do fundamentally different things. If you think of your skincare as being a really beautiful, you know... 800 thread count duvet cover so so your skin is literally the thing you can see on a bed right and then underneath that you've got a really good duvet which would be a little bit of hyaluronic acid little bit of sort of profilo then you've got a really good mattress and that's filler And then the bedstead under that is surgery. So all the skincare in the world will just give you a beautiful duvet cover it really well and a nice plump duvet. But actually beyond that, you want to go super deep. If you want to get into those fatty layers of the face, then I personally don't use filler because I've got a really big face and it doesn't work well on a really big face. But see, somebody like, and I can looking at you Annabelle here, so you're like me, you've got a big, quite large Eastern European face and you've got quite sort of plump skin. But Mm. I'm telling you, somebody like Emily would look brilliant with filler because she has a naturally slim, (laughs) fine, english face. I know, her face face. is
0: half the size of mine when we have photographs and they can stand in front of me.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And Botox is, is very different because Botox works on what is known as mobile lines. So it doesn't really work on static lines. Static lines are the little ones you get around the edge of the eyes that are there the whole time. But if you frown and raise your eyes and smile and you get expression lines, Botox can knock those out. And those 11 lines between the forehead,
0: there's oh, yeah. nothing
1: better. Yeah, there's the nothing, better, nothing better. And it can be done subtly, so you can still move your eyebrows. You don't have to look like a frozen freak. The truth is... you. I think only we've all see... grown
0: up a bit since the days of the death mask, haven't we? we have,
1: I hope so. But Literally also...
0: and metaphorically.
1: But also, Also, the truth is you only see bad work. You don't see good work. If you see an actress and she's in her 50s and you think, my God, she looks wonderful, she's barely aged in 10 years. Trust me, she's having work done. She just doesn't look overly done. And that's the secret to good work. So the reason that work has aesthetic injections and all that sort of stuff has bad reputation is because you only really see the bad work. I'm sorry, Madonna, but let that face settle
0: down. I love you, but let that face settle down. Nadine, will you please come back soon and talk to us about makeup? Because you've transformed our visions of what we need to put um, on our faces in terms of skincare. But I would love all your wit and wisdom around makeup because I I really love makeup. Do you know
1: what? I know exactly what to... spend and what to save on, what to splurge on and what to save on, because there are certain forms of makeup that will sit in contact with your skin that I think probably are worth spending a little bit of extra money on. But actually, once it's on your face, who knows if it's Chanel or Bourgeois? Who knows if it's Giorgio Armani or Maybelline? Nobody really knows. It's not like carrying a designer bag, is it? Nobody yeah. knows.
0: Um, And nobody cares. <laughs>
1: No, unless you're getting a compact out in Claridges, in which case it's quite nice to have something with a lovely logo on. (laughs) But actually, nobody really cares. They they really don't. And I can I just say I love a budget mascara,
0: the best. I agree because also if you have a budget mascara, you can have one in the car, one in your handbag, one in the bathroom. Not have a nervous breakdown when the seal goes because inevitably they just sometimes do whether it's expensive or cheap. Yes. Um. Yeah. Ten quid in a mascara. Jobs have much good days. ones. Happy days. <laughs> <laughs> so we will see you back here very soon for makeup talk. And in the meantime, thank you so much. You've uh, transformed our vision of skincare. Yeah, you,
1: Nadine. Absolute pleasure. So good to see you both. Lots of love. Thank so you. Lots of love. Bye.
0: Bye. You've been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of the Alt. Our book, I am absolutely fine, is out now. If you like what you hear, please rate, review and subscribe. This podcast was bravely brought to you by Simprove.
2: You can sign up for a 12 week introductory program, and we've got a code for a 15% discount. MidAlt15 at Simprove.com.